From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Smart speakers by saying play ESPN Radio. Randy Scott in for Fitz, who's, who's parade hunting today out in Las Vegas. Harry Douglas. Where's the home office, Harry? I should know this. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. All right. Yep. So Harry in the ATL. Uh, we got, we got you know, the worldwide leader in sports up here in Bristol, Connecticut. I got this area covered. And then we got Las Vegas covered as uh, Jason Fitz is going to join us in just moments. Continuing to follow the massive story uh, of of the sports world today, and that's a 25-game suspension the NBA handing down to John Morant for uh, repeatedly violating what I guess amounts to a personal conduct policy, although that's not specifically cited uh, in the statement from the league, but it's it's stemming from his second social media Instagram live, uh, you know, uh, possession and brandishing, as we said earlier, of a firearm. I mean, that's it's the second time since March where this has been an issue. The first suspension was eight games. This one today, 25 games. And it's one thing... To see 25 games, it's one thing to think, wow, these are October games, November games, maybe into December, how bad is it going to be? Okay, we can we can parse that out, fine. We can look at the money right now, though, because with the new collective bargaining agreement, there is an impact here on this on, uh, on the ceiling, Harry, that John Morant can earn, and it's Adrian Wojnarowski, the man who broke the story, our ESPN senior NBA insider, talks about how much this could cost John Morant. It remains to be seen endorsement-wise you know, I think you want to keep the ones you have right now, uh, but his ability to get that Supermax deal was based on uh, making All-NBA. He didn't make any of the All-NBA teams this, this season. I think certainly the suspension played a part in people's voting, and now he's really already out of the mix for that next year. So in terms of getting that Supermax versus the Max, getting that $230 million plus you talked about, Stephen A., uh, he's not able to get that now. All right, so lowering that ceiling is a significant. We're talking tens of millions of dollars, Harry. So let's welcome in your partner in crime uh, from Las Vegas. Jason Fitz has landed. He's established cell phone connection, and uh, that's that's more than half the battle. Fitz, what's up, man? Man, I, I'm just listening to this, and I appreciate you guys getting me on because I, I was worked up when I saw 25 games. I don't think it's enough. And uh, to the money conversation that we're going to have here, uh, why is that going to be enough? I mean, we already said that the first time it cost him money is it was just referenced there in that comment, but he was still out there with a the gun this summer, right? So, like the first time he lost money, it didn't cost, it didn't change his behavior. Now suddenly, this time's going to do it. Like I, I just don't understand. I don't think money alone is going to get through to John Morant. And Fitz, that's why I say, like, when it came to his apology, yes, we appreciate the apology. But this is a show me world. We want to see actions. We want to see you do things differently more so than you have beforehand that landed you in this situation. When it comes to John Morant moving forward, what are some of the things you think you would like to see from him to not have him in this situation again and potentially being suspended probably a full season? I think this is going to take a full wholesale change in the way he goes about business and everything he does, which means new social circles, it means new presentation of himself. It means being out and being transparent. Harry, you know this so much from your days to, to this day. Like You do so much for the community of Atlanta. This is going to have to be his focus. I think he's going to have to come out and truly sell to the entire world that he's a different person by being essentially a 
very, very vocal part of the community for all 25 games. Like he can't just go away, come back, think everything's going to be fine. He's going to need to be out at every Boys and Girls Club and every sort of fundraising event and every opportunity to show the world that he's putting on a different person of himself. He's going to have to show the world he's changed. We, every single person on this show right now has made mistakes in their lives, right? And when you when you are faced with the judgment for the mistakes that you've made, at some point, to your point, Harry, it's not the word. It's going to be the actions. And we all know when you just when you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar a couple times, now those actions are going to have to be huge. They're going to have to be transparent. People are going to have to see a wildly changed jaw in the way he presents himself every day. All right, we're talking with Jason Fitz again, joining us from Las Vegas, where he is for the Golden Knights Parade tonight. And congrats, Fitz, on uh, the city of Las Vegas becoming a city of champions here uh, for an evening. I I do want to kind of dive in on what you what you just said, though, in terms of that's that's one blueprint for one athlete. But then what about us? And us could be media. Us could be fans. Like, he understands what he has to do, but someone has to open that door to allow him in. Specifically, let's say, boys and girls clubs, whatever the charities are. Like, what willingness do you see there being from a public standpoint to get involved with someone who keeps making these mistakes? He's still job. I mean, he's still got draw. And, and, you know, I've always been really transparent on this show about the fact that my brother did seven years for possession with the intent to distribute. When he got out of prison, one of the things he had to do was really go out and sit down with people and say, hey, I want to write this. I want to make myself a different person. Not an easy thing to do, but if, uh, if an every person that nobody's ever heard of can do it, John Morant and the PR team can certainly do it. And the, the Grizzlies have so, so many uh, charities that they're integrated with any, and that they're working with anyway. I think there's a, an easier path for him to get into these situations, but you're also right that like everybody's going to have a little bit of an element of, okay, what are we signing ourselves up for this at this point? And that speaks, to the other part that we heard in that clip earlier, too, the endorsement money on this. Like, I think everybody's going to have to turn around and start watching for uh, what companies feel comfortable with because right now John Morant's not a good brand representative for the NBA, the Grizzlies, or Nike, or anybody else. Yeah, I think moving forward, when you look at John Morant, he's still beloved by so many guys or little kids looking up to that have dreams and aspirations of playing in the National Basketball Association right, or who want to do a lot of different things in their life. They, they still look up to John Morant. So I think, you know, Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, a lot of different programs that you may have in the city of Memphis, and I think there's a lot of work that could be done when it comes to the community in Memphis. I think Josh really going to have to not just be present, but show, show that he wants to be there. Because, Fitz, like you said, I do a lot of stuff in the community, and one of the things that bothers me is that when people get involved and they just do it for show, if you're not going to embrace it, if you're not going to uh, hone in on it and really take it serious and want to make a difference in kids' lives to the point where man, I give kids my number all the time and tell them to hit me up because that's how important it is to me. I think Josh's going to have to take one, uh, some of those steps on top of everything. Yeah, and, and not only that, Harry, but think about like if we want to spin all this to a positive, think about the opportunity Josh has right now to sit in front of every kid in Memphis and say, hey, I've made some mistakes, and even I screwed up. Like, I had all this money and all this platform, and I haven't handled it the right way, and I'm, I'm figuring life out. Like, I think there's a real human element and opportunity that can come from redemption out of this story, but he's really going to have to do it, and I think one of the other hard parts about it is he's going to have to understand that this doesn't go away in three months, six months, nine months, a year. This is for several years going to carry with anything he does, anything he says. 
if he goes just a little, like, if he gets pulled over tomorrow for speeding, it's not a normal speeding ticket. It's John Morant. And he's created this that he's living in, but the, the ability to work his way out of it can be a redemption story. He just has to make a true life commitment to every single minute of every single day living that. And that's not going to be you. We all know that that's not going to be easy when everybody now is watching him, hoping there's a whole section of people that are hoping he fails because they want to be able to t- turn around and pile on. And that's just his new reality yeah. that he's created. Running a three-man weave here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, I'm Randy Scott, in for Jason Fitz. But Fitz is joining us from Vegas, and I could open this up to both of you. Fitz, I'll start with you, though. You guys have achieved success in different paths, right? Athletically for, for Harry and, and musically, certainly, for Fitz. And now sort of all coming together in this media landscape. But how difficult is it? Because, Fitz, you're talking about changing your – you know, how, how John Morant would need to change, you know, his, his friend circles, for lack of, you know, change the environment that he puts himself in. How, how feasible is that? How, 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 how difficult, how easy? Uh, what's the likelihood that something like that can actually happen? Because you don't, I would think, you don't want to turn your back on your friends, but at the same time, you got to do what's right for you and your family moving forward. It, it, I, in my life experience, yeah. it takes the right voice. It takes the right person being willing to look you in the eye, and it takes your heart being open that day. I, I've uh, I've told Harry this before, but I'll never forget after my first year on the road making money in music, and I wasn't doing nearly as well as Ja is, but, you know, I was out there, and I was doing okay finally, and I was partying too hard, and I remember a friend of mine looked at me and said, man, this has been your dream for your entire life. The thing is, now it's your business, and how long it will be your business depends on what you do with the next three months of your life, mm-hmm. and it hit me. It changed the way I did everything. It changed the way I approached my life and my regimen, and it really changed how I handled it. You know, I... I think it takes a, in, in my life experience, it takes somebody you really respect having to, you know what, to look you in the eye, Harry, and just say, hey, you got to change it. And, and I don't know that, who that is in Memphis, but in my experience, Harry, that's how it gets done. Well, I'll say for me, man, I, I, I've been in situations where I had to let go of friends that I grew up with to become a better man and become a closer man to God. And um, I'm, I'm a little bit more cutthroat, too, though, Fitz. You know, I, I, I didn't care about it either. I didn't care about the backlash. I didn't care about if, if someone felt some type of way. If I felt like you wasn't uh, helping me be in a position to be successful and you knew everything that I had going on, I was going to let you go and cut you off. On top of having a father that would slap the hell out of me right now at age 38 if I didn't get myself right and I didn't have myself right. So th- that also played a major factor. All right, John Morant, not the only breaking news story from the NBA today, but we're going to let Fitz go and and get his get his Vegas on, man. Happy homecoming, happy parade day, and uh, you know, send, send some pictures, post some video. All right, I will appreciate you letting for have me on, boys. Appreciate it. Have a great show. Appreciate you, Bye, man. bro. All right, thanks for letting me fill in. Uh, so yeah, it's not the only major story from the NBA today. This one could have a larger impact, Harry, on who wins the West and perhaps who's standing in the way of the Denver Nuggets and their their hopes to build a dynasty out there. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Randy Scott. In for Fitz on Fitz and Harry on smart speakers by saying play ESPN radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Randy Scott. In for Jason Fitz. You can call in, join the conversation, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 
3776. Tune into an AL East rivalry tomorrow night as the Red Sox host the Yankees. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And we've been talking about John Morant and the 25-game suspension that the NBA has handed down. We'll continue to do that. But it's not the only news from the NBA today, Harry. And uh, it's not the sexiest radio topic in the world, although Bob Myers is aging gracefully like a fine wine. Uh, Bob Myers leaving the, the Golden State Warriors. That news coming out a few weeks ago, and they've they've tabbed Mike Dunleavy Jr. as as his replacement. Um, you know, Myers, it, it's, it's significant here. Now, Dunleavy, as you said, Harry, is, is you know, a a continuation of the overall plan and the overall ethos of this franchise. He's been there how long? What were you saying? How many how many years has done? Last four years as the assistant okay. general manager. Yep. Under Bob Myers. But but what, what Myers was honest about and his reason for stepping away was this job takes the totality of your commitment. I mean he did not have, he said, the ability to give it the commitment that this job demands. And so Dunleavy Jr. has to not only meet that level of investment, meet that level of commitment, but Dunleavy Jr. now has a, a, a reformed salary cap thanks to the new collective bargaining agreement that he's going to have to navigate and some tough roster decisions to be made here because not all of these mouths are going to continue to get fed at the current salaries. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I think Mike Dunleavy Jr. is going to be able to live up to the um, the weight on his shoulders when it comes to being committed, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about a guy who actually got drafted in 2002 by the Golden State Warriors and played five years, a guy who played in the NBA for a very, very long time. So he understands that grind. Now he's in the front office side of things. In the last four years, he's been able to also learn under Bob Myers, right? And be able to see things in uh, the Lakeup family, how they do things and like to generate things when it comes to being a general manager, if he ever was to get into that spot in which he is now. But right now at this moment in taking over for Bob Myers, this is a critical and a crucial part, a crucial time for the Golden State Warriors. And I think by elevating Mike Dunleavy Jr. to the general manager position, you're kind of saying a little bit that, okay, we want to try to keep this core group together. And by keeping that core group together, I think you have an opportunity to dethrone the Denver Nuggets from winning back-to-back NBA championships. So, okay, somebody's got to go, though. And I'm not asking you yep. maybe. Maybe it's unfair to do it, but... Harry, I mean, you're talking about Steph's salary. You're talking mm-hmm. about Clay's salary. Draymond's got his money. Jordan Poole's got his. And Andrew Wiggins has got his. And there are people who have different ideas. I mean, what did we hear Kendrick Perkins say? He said that the big that we're talking about the big three the wrong way because if you're of a certain age and you've watched these Warriors come up and build and become the dynasty that they are, that they are, you're thinking, all right, well, it's the, it's the Splash Brothers, and then it's Draymond, right? Like those yep. those that that's a big three. And they, no, 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 we're thinking about it wrong. We need to have Wiggins in there. That it's Steph, Draymond, and Wiggins, and that Clay might be the odd guy out, and that's that's hard as a fan in your in your chest. But when you think about it in your brain, you're like, well, he's not the same Clay. Well, and I'll say this: it's not only hard for fans; it's going to be hard for Mike Dunleavy and Joe mm-hmm. Lacob. It's going to be hard for Steph to swallow that. It's going to be hard for Draymond to swallow that. But. Uh, if they're able to push their feelings aside, which at some times when you got to do what's best for the team, you must do and decide that, you know what, we want to trade for a guy like Bradley Bill, who is three years younger than Clay Thompson, right? Who mm-hmm. still can shoot the basketball from the three point line, who can uh, be that six, four body, probably not defend the way Clay Thompson was able to defend when he was at the height of that level, but can still be a guy that can, you know, 
defend a, a little bit. But now Andrew Wiggins moves more as your defensive stopper yeah. and moves over to being that guy. And Andrew Wiggins is a is a a chess uh, uh, one of the chess pieces because mm-hmm. what he was able to do against Jason Tatum in that NBA championship that they won. And all I heard from a lot of people on top of myself saying this is that the Warriors didn't set a chance this season in the postseason mm-hmm. if they did not have Andrew Wiggins because he's that tweener. He can do a lot of different things. He can defend a lot of different positions. He can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot the mid-range game. He can shoot the three and knock those down. So mm-hmm. he is really, I think, the chess piece outside of Draymond and outside of Steph Curry moving forward. And now there's a chance that Mike Dunleavy Jr. in moving perhaps one of these pieces, if for salary reasons, none other, then, then also maybe bringing in a, a, a massive you know, trade piece. I mean, Dame Lillard is, is a Bay Area guy. He's potentially on the move. Same with Bradley Beal in D.C. That's actually more concrete that Bradley Beal is very much uh, mm-hmm. on the trading block. And Jay Will, on, on his own show, Keyshawn Jay Will and Max, 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, was talking about uh, the best landing spot for Bradley Beal. Listen to this. Golden State Warriors, Ooh. the Bay Area, and it's not even a question. If you're telling me you want to extend the championship window of Steph Curry, right, you have some big decisions to make. It's obvious that the chemistry of this year's team was messed up. You give, you gave Jordan Poole a big deal, right? And I like Jordan Poole. You also have Clay Thompson, who's going to be a free agent uh, the following year. He wants a max contract. I am willing to state publicly that if you want to extend the championship window for Steph Curry, I look into moving both Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson to the Washington Wizards for Bradley Beal. All right, so Harry, that's you reacting in the background. So that's Jay Will on this show with you. You've had a day to process it. How does that How does that grab you in terms of the championship window? You can take this question however you want, okay? Who's the biggest threat to the Nuggets in the West? And you can assume a trade happens where Beal comes out west or whatever it is. Who's the biggest threat? For me, it's the Golden State Warriors because what they've been able to do um, the last six or seven years, but also how the ball movement goes. And I can't help but think about if the Golden State Warriors were in the Western Conference Finals this year against the Denver Nuggets, and I understand they weren't. The Lakers won that series. I can't help but think that you're going to sit up here and tell me the Golden State Warriors wouldn't have won two of those games? Even if the Denver Nuggets decide to win that series or the Golden State Warriors couldn't have won three of those games? I, I, that's hard for me to believe. And people may say I'm biased because my brother played out there in Golden State and I know Steph and all those guys, but the <laughs> way they play the game of basketball and the proof is in the pudding though, Randy, when you have the proof to back it up, but then you have a guy like Draymond Green if they decide to you know, continue to – to keep him, and he's a Golden State Warrior uh, moving forward, a guy that takes pride in going against a guy like Nikola Jokic, right? Takes pride in it. He's not going to be a DeAndre Ayton type deal when DeAndre Ayton decided to shrink and be small in that moment when you got to go against a back-to-back MVP award winner. That mm-hmm. fire from Draymond, also Steph Curry being that transcendent type player, and then you bring over a Bradley Bill, and then you have an Andrew Wiggins, so, who you can probably put on a guy like Jamal Murray. So I, I like the Golden State Warriors and their chances. I think it's the Suns, and, and I'm anticipating moves where Chris Paul is not a member of that team, where maybe DeAndre Ayton gets, gets traded as well, and they can free up a little bit of cap space because I don't think we need big threes 
anymore in the NBA. I feel like the two-man game, you know, it's a copycat league, as most leagues are. And when you see a team win the way that Denver did in dominant fashion and say, no, we need a two-man game with reliable third scorers and Michael Porter Jr. and, and Aaron Gordon, understanding that these guys are not just out there on a vine somewhere to be picked, but no, like they, like, 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 like produce. Like, no, they, you have to go and find and develop, but you need the cap space to be able to do it. So I think losing potentially $70 million of salary cap committed to DeAndre Ayton, who fell out of favor down the stretch, and certainly Chris Paul, who hasn't proven that he's been able to make it through a playoffs uh, without getting hurt, and also, also tends to become a different player in the playoffs. Like, I could see the Suns doing it because no, I, I, like I believe. Pick. Yeah, I believe that much in, in D-Book and, and in Kevin Durant. Uh, and it, and it, but it's all about the supporting cast, right? Your supporting yeah. cast have, have to be like the Denver Nuggets were able to outshine the Miami Heat supporting cast. It can't be a supporting cast that, you know, provides you nothing uh, while your other two or three guys are, you know, balling out. And they're not doing it for free, though. you got to be able to pay that supporting Mm -hmm. cast. You need need one guy in like a $12 contract and a 15, and that money has got to come from somewhere. Um, It's it's interesting. I think Denver still is is in the driver's seat in the West, and that's why they're favored to get back there. Uh, We'll talk NFL. One NFL quarterback's facing a massive year, but is his team putting him in the position to succeed? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Kansas City is been a dynasty. I think Pat Mahomes is definitely going to find a way to get more than four championships. As great as a once-in-a-generation quarterback that Mahomes has turned out to be, it's still going to be very difficult when the AFC is going to keep getting loaded each and every year. You know, there were stretches of this NBA season where uh, AFC certainly felt like the Eastern Conference of the NBA. You know, for a while we felt like that NBA Finals is going to go through a Milwaukee, no Boston, no Philadelphia. and It feels that way in the AFC with the talented young quarterback play. Receivers are no slouch either. Speaking of, Harry Douglas, Randy Scott, it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers by saying play ESPN Radio. I'm in for Fitz, who's out there on parade watch, parade duty, grand marshal duties. Who knows how they're going to use him for the Las Vegas Golden Knights parade, but we hope our guy has a great time. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get out to the phone. 888-STATE-ESPN is the number. Lewis Riddick calling in. He's with us. He's our ESPN NFL analyst. And listen, I, I know it's June. I know there really isn't an offseason anymore in the NFL, Lewis, but seeing what Jamar Chase and Patrick Mahomes have done, trading barbs all in good fun this week on social media, it just got us thinking about who the biggest threat is to the Chiefs after a night where they're putting their rings on with 600-plus diamonds and all that, who do you think is the biggest threat in the AFC to a Kansas City repeat? That's easily. It's easily Cincinnati. Um, Look, I mean, this football team up until this past AFC title game has kind of been the boogeyman for Kansas City. And if it wasn't for the late hit out of bounds, I mean, they still may be the boogeyman for Kansas City. And they've only gotten better. Their quarterback is going to be better. He's going to be richer. Their offense, the offensive line, theoretically should be stronger. The wide receiver core remains intact. And they added some 
you know, some complimentary pieces to that. They got deeper at running back. They draft Miles Murphy in the first round to help the pass rush, which is already already pretty good. They had a bunch of defensive backs, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, who were great athletes, who they're going to try and work in there and mix and match them in order to deal with these high-powered offenses that they go against in the AFC. Got the same defensive coordinator back in Lou Anarumo, who is a top two or three coordinator in the league. Look, since he's right there, man, they haven't they haven't been able to to get it done as far as you know winning a title yet. So I mean, obviously Kansas City is still the kings of the mountain. But look, if it, if it wasn't for the great Aaron Donald sacking Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl, that game probably turns out the other way in Cincinnati's favor because he has the wide-open Jamar Chase down the sideline. So, look, since he's right there, man, and they've gotten – they have matched both Kansas City and then in the NFC, Philadelphia stride for stride as far as trying to improve their football team over the past two, three years. They'll definitely be there in the end. And, Lewis, I, I love the back and forth between these two teams. I love that I can actually call this a rivalry because I, I honestly felt like the NFL – needed this at the moment. I just thought I'd say this really quick about those two teams. But let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins because he went on this visit to the New England Patriots. Um, are they any better than the fourth-place team if they get DeAndre Hopkins? No, I, I don't think so still, only because, look, everybody else in the East is so darn good. Harry, I mean, they've – I mean, everybody has made really improvements. Miami's going to be better because of the fact that you know, Vic Fangio is there now. Buffalo is going to be better or, or, or just as good because, I, look, I think this is a team that if Von Miller can come back and stay healthy, they have, you know, Leonard, they signed Leonard Floyd now. Uh, you know, they draft Dalton Kincaid, to, you know, to help out with Dawson Knox at tight end. I mean, so they've, they've done some things with the weaponry. I, I just think that this that, that New England right now, they're, they're climbing a real, real steep hill, although – Although, look, they're not going to be working with one arm time behind their back with that just abomination of an offensive coordinator situation that they <laughs> that they put on Mac Jones last year. So I, I think that is going to be pay huge dividends. I just don't know if they have enough to make up ground on the rest of the teams in the East that have continued to make huge, huge strides. And I haven't even talked about the Jets, but. And I, and I don't want to get too much on that hype train only because and – and I'm not, but I, I just don't want to talk about it too much yet because that's the one team that right now is just trying to really come together with an entire different look and an entire different trigger, man. So, but yeah, this, this is – this is probably like, – there's probably going to be people saying, look, there will be three teams that could possibly come out of the, out of the East for the AFC. Um yeah, you're right, and there could be four that are worthy. Yeah, you're right. And New England, unfortunately, may be that fourth one in the in the hierarchy. We're talking with Lewis Riddick, our ESPN NFL analyst here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Randy Scott, uh, in for Jason Fitz. I want to talk about Bears here. I, I feel like the NFC North is more wide open than perhaps people are giving it credit for being. I, a lot of people are all in on the Lions. The Packers come back to the pack. I think the, I think the Vikings come way back. Um, and then there's Justin Fields there in Chicago, coming off of coming off of a statistically impressive year, coming into a huge year and a huge opportunity. They bring in DJ Moore, but we're already hearing chatter uh, about Chase Claypool maybe not being motivated. If you can't be motivated, you yeah. know, coming off of that season. So I, the question about the quarterback is: Are they putting Fields Lewis in a position to be as successful as possible this year? 
Yeah, I mean, they're doing everything they can. I mean, you can't control if, if Chase Claypool, for, mm. for whatever reason, isn't motivated. I mean, that, that's just that's just so damn annoying to even hear and even have to entertain the fact that a professional football player on an up-and-coming team where one organization has already kind of given up on you because you just weren't able to do right on a consistent basis, now all of a sudden you're unmotivated. That, 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 that kind of stuff is burning me up. But I can nevertheless, you know, yeah, I, I think that Ryan Poles, the GM out there, has done everything that he could. I mean, DJ Moore's a fantastic player. Darnell Mooney, who's already there, who's got great rapport with Justin Fields, is going to be better. He just is. Um, they've tried to take care of the offensive line. They've shuffled it around on the interior a little bit. They draft Darnell right out of Tennessee. He will be an all-pro. Um I think, you know, obviously a guy like Vilas Jones, who they drafted last year out of Tennessee, has to be – these guys have to become studs. Tyler Scott, who they drafted out of Cincy this year, who's got blazing speed. These guys have to – they have to evolve. They have to develop. They have to mature. They have to do their part. Because I know Justin will do his part. So, yeah, this team looks much different offensively than it did a year ago. Defensively, they were, they were terrible. And you know the effect that the defense has on a young quarterback. It's more opportunities for him. They can get off the field on third down, mm-hmm. have him get more reps, have him get more time in the cockpit, so to speak, maybe turn the ball over for him, give him some short fields to work with, help gain his – the defense should be better too. So, yeah, I think overall they've done everything they can. I mean, it's not going to be a perfect a perfect composition yet, but they've done everything they could uh, so far. All right, he's Lewis Riddick, our ESPN NFL analyst. Lewis, I can hear the disappointment in your voice. I hate to get out on that note. Hope you have a great weekend, though, man. Thank you for the time. <laughs> of course. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. We're going to ask our wide receiver, our wide out about what's happening with the Bears' number two option there. That's next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hanging out with Louisville Hall of Famer Harry Douglas. Say it one more time again. Louisville Hall of Famer oh, Harry my, Douglas. My bad, Evan. I'm just putting some respect. I'm not doing this right, Harry. I'm just putting some respect on your name. Oh, you got to use a K. Respect. That's why I guess that's what I did. Respect. The respect. With some I, respect. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't work right for me, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> This could be a different conversation. It really could. It could be a different conversation at a different time. I'm dying to know like how Harry, you and Fitz got got the you know, camaraderie, got the the chemistry that you guys got because you I'm I mean, the the differences in what the kids call Riz, I mean, it's just you know, <laughs> it's true. There's a disparity here and you guys are are charismatic in your own ways, but for him to be like, did I do that? Did I but, hey, but I'll tell you really quick, do though, that right? Randy, so 2019 is when I first started working for ESPN. Yeah. And um, I started doing the college football shows. So um, Trevor Scales, uh, Gary Streisky, who you work closely with on SportsCenter, um, Christine Williamson, and me and Jason Fitz, all of us work closely together. So all the shows that I always do with those uh, guys and then Christine being the lady um, – our chemistry is is just there because we've been with each other for so long. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's no egos, man. Like it's no egos. We just want to, you know, give our audience the, the 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 best of all of us. And you and you and Fitz especially to say nothing of Gary or, or Christine or anyone else, but you and Fitz having accomplished what you have, you know, both in athletics and both in music. Like you guys should be egotistical. Like you should have egos. Like give give what you're bringing to the table. So the <laughs> fact that there's that sort of career reset where everybody kind of starts on the same level is is pretty cool to see. I'm just laughing at respect and the, and the teaching angle of it. Um, let's get to your area of expertise though. The wideout position in the NFL as it pertains to the Chicago Bears because we had the conversation with Lewis where it's like okay is Justin Fields really being put in the best position to succeed because none of us wants to be judged I don't care what line of work you're in none of us wants to be judged when we feel like we're either performing or producing with one hand tied behind your back or in this case on your back if you're Justin Fields because that man wasn't protected last season but you have to have someone to throw the football to as an NFL quarterback, and Chase Claypool comes in from Pittsburgh, and you're thinking, okay, if you play fantasy football, you're like, hey, this guy can ball. Problem is, he's got to want to do it. So this is Mark Silverman on Waddle and Sylvie and the powerful ESPN 1000 there in Chicago on that program. Our friend, Tom Waddle, has been in this studio several times. What Sylvie is hearing about Chase Claypool at Bears minicamp? There is still time. They are not stamping Chase Claypool with a bust label. But it is not an advantageous situation like you're reading here with D.J. Moore. D.J. Moore was acquired, and he has hit the ground running. And that was the hope with Chase Claypool in this offseason. Justin said some things today where they've built more of a base. He's changed his attitude a little bit. But it's not a good thing that he missed the last two weeks of OTAs and that he missed minicamp. And also the person that I talked to is telling me that he's not self-motivated like DJ Moore. That's not a good thing. Yeah, so DJ Moore comes in from the Panthers, and apparently the the reaction from Moore to his teammate Chase Claypool hasn't been a positive one, Harry. Well, and I would say this. Everything that you just heard right there from whether it was – coaches, front office executives, or players are some of the same things. And I think that's just sad because when you have a guy like Chase Claypool who has the talent, who has the upside, but to be self-motivated, you're in the National Football League. You have an opportunity to play a game that you love, that you've been playing since you were a kid. You also have an opportunity to make uh, a lot of money to – take care of certain things if you were in a position to where you weren't able to take weren't able to take care of it uh, of that those things previously to be the first when it comes to a lot of stuff so I, I think it's it's an unfortunate situation and a lot of the things that I heard is that you know he thinks he knows it all right he's one of those mm-hmm. guys that aren't isn't really coachable he tries to be the smartest person in the room and isn't the smartest person in the room He's a person that isn't self-motivated, a person that you have to get going, a person that uh, may show up for a few things but won't show up for the OTAs at all times. And I just think that's unfortunate because he has an opportunity to be a number two wide receiver on this football team with a young quarterback and also another young receiver in DJ Moore who was phenomenal in Carolina. But at the same time, you got to have the want to. You I'm- can't be you can't be a yeah, okay. To, to, to be honest, that you can't be that because right now, this juncture in your career, you're not good enough to be a. That's that's what I used to hear coaches tell other players. You're not good enough to be that type of guy. Yeah. So why not just get your stuff together and make plays for the Chicago Bears so you can be in a position to where possibly one day you probably can be an a hole. I mean, I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at these stats here. He plays seven games. 
Now, who knows? I don't have snap counts in front of me off the top of my head, but I, I can I can see this clear as day because f- seven goes into 14 twice, right? Seven games, 14 receptions in seven games for 29 total yards. I mean, this was a guy, like, say, say what you want about the quarterback play, but this was a guy who came from Pittsburgh, and he was an emerging dude. Like, dude, like David Pollock says, that's a dude right there. Like, he yep. was that. And you're going to get some rose-colored perception, or in this case – I don't know, navy blue and gold colored perception, uh, you know, from Notre Dame. I mean, the college stats were what the college stats were. But coming to Chicago, I, you, you can't tell me that that kind of stat line. Like, listen, you, you, your job, tell, tell me, Harry, your job is to, is to run the route, get open, and expect the ball every time. But, Did, but, but here's the first thing, Randy. Yeah. You got to know the playbook. You got to learn the playbook. Oh, you got to like, take accountability and take that. the time out to learn the playbook first. Okay. Right? Because he struggled with some of that last year, transitioning from Pittsburgh mm. and grasping the playbook. Now, I understand uh, sometimes it might, might, might not be the easiest and guys learn differently. Mm-hmm. But if you're committed to it outside, you just don't learn the playbook while you're at the facility. You, you continuously learn the playbook while you're at home. Okay. Instead of going and, you know, having fun, sacrifice little things, sometimes you got to cut off your finger to save your hand. And I just don't think Chase Claypool is doing that. Given what we've given what we've heard, given what we've seen last year or didn't see production, but given what we've heard so far, do you think it's too late for Claypool in Chicago? I don't think it's too late. Um, we got to remember that Ryan Poles, they invested a second-round draft pick, which potentially you can say it was a first-round draft pick, and the Pittsburgh Steelers got Joey Porter Jr., who they're looking to be a starter. And we all know his background with his father playing in the league. Mm-hmm. So if you gave up that much, if you're the Chicago Bears, you're hoping that this player can come on board, but he has to want to. All right, we got this. We got the very latest on John Morant as well. It's a massive day in the NBA. We're going to hear from the NBA Players Association. They have spoken, and they are not happy. We're going to tell you what they had to say. That is next. It's Harry Douglas, Randy Scott, in for Jason Fitz on Fitz and Harry here on this Friday afternoon on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speakers by saying play ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.